You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Triple Content Creations and Podcast Jukebox present Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. This is a show that started out only talking about sex and disability. It was a podcast that was dedicated to exploring the ins and outs of sex and disability because we don't talk about that hardly at all. But as the show has grown, I realized that Disability After Dark could shine a light on so many other things about disability we don't talk about, and that was really exciting. So, now, this show is a show that will shine a light on the experience of disability, whether we're talking about sexuality, accessibility, or anything and everything in between. Come shine a bright light on all things disability with me, your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. Shining a bright light on sex and disability. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store, for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie, if you want, for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag, and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item. So you get one free item for penis havers, one free item for vulva havers, one free item for couples, and then you also get six free movies from the AdamEve.com website. You can get your favorite porn or an educational film. I love free movies. They're so awesome. This is such a great deal. And then, on top of that, you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So, to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to AdamEve.com, 
you're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in dark pod that's d-a-r-k-p-o-d at checkout and you're going to get one item almost anything in the store at 50 percent off and then you're going to get those 10 free gifts absolutely free as part of your offer this is such a great deal and this is just for you disability after dark listeners and i hope you run over to adameve.com and take advantage of it right now Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hey everybody, it's Andrew Gerza here, your disability awareness consultant, your crippled content creator, and your disabled Dick Smith, and let's shine a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between, and get today's show started. I literally just flew in from London, England last night, so I'm exhausted upon recording this intro, but I had the most amazing time. I have a ton of stories about London. It wasn't the most accessible city that I've ever been to, I gotta say that. It was very historic and very iconic and super fun to go to, but it was not the most accessible city, I gotta say. Um, But I had a great time. I met some really amazing disability activist when I was there. I recorded with Hannah Witten, who does amazing stuff with the Doing It podcast and is is a really big YouTuber in the disability space right now. Um, So I met her, which was great. I met um, just other... I met... Oh, yeah, that's right. I met um, Charlie Garner and Fern Lullum, two former guests of the show and great friends of mine. We met in person for the first time. We had coffee together, and it was just really great to sit down with people who were disabled and really build this disabled community all across the world. It was just really, really fun to do that. And I'm going to do an episode eventually of if you want to take your partner to London and Paris and talk about some of the things that I had to go through when I was there in terms of accessibility and stuff like that. And but But that's for another show. But I just wanted to say that I'm back. I had a great time and... I met some amazing people. First things first, I want to give a shout out to one of our new Patreon supporters of Disability After Dark. I want to give a shout out to someone who pledged $7 a month and their name is Mags. And Mags, I think you are awesome and you are, you, Mags, you are um, the magpie of my heart. Is it a thing? I don't know. I never said these puns would be good. Is magpie of my heart a thing? Can it be a thing? Anyway, Mags, I appreciate you sending us a really unique number to pledge at. $7 means a lot. This means that you will get the shows one day early than they come out. Normally they come out on Thursdays. You will get them on Wednesdays and you'll get an awkward shout out for me like you did just now on the air. Also, because you pledged above the $5 level, you can also build a show with me, Mags. If you want to create a show around Disability After Dark, you can let me know your email and uh, or email, email me at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and we can build a show together, do research, talk about the things you want me to do on the show, topics that you want to shine a light on we can look at, stuff like that. So send me an email at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com, Mags, and we'll do that. 
Thanks for pledging. And if you want to pledge, of course, patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark keeps the bright light shining on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. Mags, I have a better pun. You are magnanimous for pledging. Is, does that work? I hope so. Mags, thanks for the pledge. And now, let me tell you all about today's episode. On today's episode, I sit down with somebody really cool and really, really awesome and somebody who I just loved doing an interview with, and I'm going to tell you all about them. I sat down with Bionic Babe and sex and dating writer Dana Troisi, who is a sex and dating writer whose 200 plus essays have been published in Mary Claire, Elite, Daily, Allure, and BuzzFeed, to name just a few. Also, Dana is proud to be the managing editor at Go Magazine, one of the nation's preeminent and most widely read LGBTQ magazines. She identifies as a dyke princess and loves getting lit and ordering cheese boards at trendy restaurants. Dana is obsessed with dating beauty fashion, Lana Del Rey, who isn't. Lana's amazing. Um, she calls things iconic, and she, and she and she has a badass bionic arm. And this is these are. Only a few of the things we talk about in our interview, we talk about disclosure, what it's like to disclose disability, her experiences with dating stories, sex with a disability, whether or not she should take off her prosthetic, sexual confidence, all things dirty and raunchy, love, sex, disability, everything. We talk about everything in this in this episode. And I had the most amazing time. She's somebody you should totally follow. Um, I just think she's great, and I loved that she really wanted to come on the the show, and she she followed me. She followed up with me a number of times before we recorded, being like, "Hey, I want to come on your show. Is it a good day? Hey, is it a good time? Hey, can we do this?" So I love that she wanted to, and so I'm really stoked to share this interview with you. Right around the end of the interview, my audio dropped and, and the recording picked it up, but I couldn't hear her anymore. Um, so you hear us be like, oh no, is it working? Oh no, I can't pick it up because I'm a shit editor. I didn't do any editing around that. So I just decided to leave it in because you get to hear the raw, real, uncut truth of being a podcaster. I decided to just leave that in for all of you. Um, and it's there. So get ready for that. Uh, but it was a gr- really awesome interview, and now, without further ado, here's my interview with the bionic babe, Dana Troisi, right now on Disability After Dark. Dana Troisi, hello. Hi, Andrew, how are you? Good, I'm so happy you're here. It's amazing, because you and I have been chatting about this for a while now, and I'm yeah. just excited to have you. Finally, I'm really excited to be here. So excited. You actually, you sent me... The most, the cutest email that was like, oh my god, <laughs> your show is important and I want to be on, I'd be honored to be a guest. Like, usually it's me, usually it's me running back and forth being like, hey, do you want to be a guest? You'd be awesome. Today. Come, <laughs> like, come to my show. So it's always nice to have another disabled person be like, I want to come yeah. on your show. Let's have, let's talk. I came across your um, Prize of Intimacy essay and out, and I just thought it was so fucking brilliant. Like, I shared it with all my students, and I was like, I need to connect with this person. Because I, I just, I mean, I'm really honored to be here. I think the work you do is so important. Oh, well, thank you. That that It's so funny that you mentioned that that essay because 25 minutes ago after, like, 
just literally before I hit record, I was with two sex workers having an amazing threesome. So. Oh my god, I saw you have such a glow. <laughs> so I, I have sex glow right now. Uh, Your but, email last night had me dying. You're like, I'll actually be having sex between 12 and 2. And I was like, I want that to be my life. Like, I can pencil you in after. <laughs> well, because, like, because the, the good thing about working with sex workers is that everything is really, really meticulously scheduled. Yeah. So, like, I don't do spontaneous, like, spontaneous, like, I'm going to come over and suck your dick. That doesn't happen. It's like, <laughs> In my book, it's scheduled, it's written down. Like, me, yeah. and, me and the workers have, like, you are in our calendar at this time. Like, I love so that's why I was like, I can tell Dana that I won't be available from this time to this time because I'm doing this. <laughs> um, that was an awesome segue into hi. And can you, so I think you're great, but the audience doesn't know much from the intro that I gave them. Can you, yeah. um, absolutely. Um, so my name is Dana Trevisi. And I'm like an upper limb amputee. I was born this way and I wear a bionic arm. And I have written over 200 articles on being slutty and disabled. I've appeared in a lot of like viral videos talking about dating and sexuality as a disabled person. I'm such a camera whore. Um, my dream is to be on a reality show. And I'm currently the managing editor at Go Magazine. And we are the nation's preeminent and most widely read lesbian magazine. Amazing. Um... <laughs> When you told, I love how in the in the email you sent me in your questionnaire you said, I you know no not not, not even in the questionnaire in the email you sent me that initially hello you're like I've written over two hundred articles about being slutty and disabled and I was like this person is amazing because you <laughs> like that's not usually how people introduce themselves <laughs> so like when you said that I was like I need to talk to this person immediately like, yes that's, that's why my email back to you was like yes yes please yes of course so, I am so excited <laughs> so like I'm curious Dana what is we we're, as we're learning with like books like The Ethical Slut and all those things we're learning kind of what sluthood is but mm -hmm. I still don't think that it's really well connected to the experience of disability yet and I don't think it's talked about enough in in kind of relation to what being disabled means. So I'm curious for you then, how does, like, how does being slutty and disabled manifest for you? And what does that mean mm -hmm. for you? Yeah, I think you're right that that connection isn't made frequently enough. Even when I think about myself, I'm not always connecting the two, and which is strange because it's kind of my brand to be like a slutty disabled person. But like, to me, like being slutty and disabled just means like doing whatever I want. It means having fun, it means being myself. And it just means like embracing and celebrating my sexuality, not despite of or because of my disability, just like all together. And I think like it means I refuse to be put in a box. Like I'm not, I'm kind of like over the whole like identity politic think piece moment. Yeah. But I still think it's so important to show that disabled people are sexual. And that's why I connect to you so much. And like you're writing and why I'm excited to be here because I think that we can talk about these things in like a messy way without being like, um, as a disabled person, the intersections of blah, blah. Like, I don't think we need to do that. I think just like being ourselves and myself happens to really like sex. And I, I think that's like what's exciting to me is just like being myself and in turn, those intersections just come together naturally. Yeah, totally. And I love what you say about being messy because I think you're right about when it comes to disability ah. politic, any identity politic, really, we're starting to talk about identity politics a lot differently than we were, say, five, ten years ago. Yeah. But I agree with you that when it comes to particularly disability, we're putting it in a box where you have to say things like person with a disability or you have to say yeah. disabled person or you have to use 
very particular language to to us to that you have to assign yourself in order to to claim this identity whereas like I love the idea of being messy because that's why I use queer cripple like I like the idea that we can be completely destructive as as a disabled community and like fuck it <laughs> yeah like, fuck you I did this thing and it didn't go within your box oops yeah yeah and, and also like sex is messy like being a person is messy so like putting those things together of course it's not going to be you know politically correct or like academic you know it's just yeah and I mean yeah. listen being an academic cripple pays the bills sometimes so I know how to do that oh honey I know I mean I teach but <laughs> yeah so well let's talk about that how do you how so you teach what what course are you do you teach at? so I teach intro to creative writing and I'm going to be teaching uh, slam poetry at Hofstra University amazing and sometimes it like shocks me that they hired me because I'm like honey if you google me it's like boobs collars <laughs> oh I googled you I was like whoa but I was also like wow this is amazing this person's great yes yes <laughs> Um, I, I like, I love being in academia. I mean, it's kind of like where I guess I like sharpened my teeth for talking about this kind of stuff. And even though that sort of rhetoric didn't really feel right to me, it was the first place where I was like given permission to talk about these things and then not only talk about them, but be like rewarded be like, you're so smart, Dana. And I'm like, I'm just talking about my vagina, but like, (laughs) (laughs) amazing. Yeah. That's so awesome. Um, (laughs) one of the things you want to talk about in your thing, in your, like, Okay, so my my before I get to that the next question actually my question is how do you how does it feel to be like a teacher with an upper limb amputee like how like and I know that's just like a base one on one question but I am curious because you know like, for sure with with lower limb amputees like you can hide, if you if you have like a, a knee amputation or whatever you can hide it with like pants you can hide it with a mm-hmm. with a different kind of leg prosthetic but if you're a an upper limb amputee it's it's you notice it right away so how how does it feel for you to like be in a classroom as an amputee doing that? And I can't hide it because like I have um, like a, I don't know if you can see, like a pretty obvious bionic arm. It's not yeah. like you know, skin colored or human. And when I first, my first semester, I didn't have a prosthetic yet. And I was like, a little self-conscious about it. Also because I know it's something that students are looking at. It's not because they're bad. It's like, obviously I have one less limb than everyone else. It's different, but it's also been weird. Like, do I say something? Do I not? You know what I mean? It's like the elephant in the room. Yeah. And like, it's, it's like, I'm not teaching like math or something. I'm teaching creative writing. We're talking about personal things. We're getting down to the nitty gritty. So inevitably I either make like a stupid joke about myself that I like did something single handedly or like whatever, or like I'll drop all the papers. Like I'll be trying to pass some shit out and like my arm will like malfunction. And like, it also think it helps cause like I'm younger. I'm like pretty almost the same age as my students. And I think that they're more comfortable and like, asking me questions and whatever. And also I'm like hella confident. Like I don't change for anyone. Like I come into that classroom with my collar on and my boots on. Um, please don't fire me. Hashi university. I love you guys. <laughs> and, and I, but I, I think I'm different in a lot of ways. I think that's what I'm trying to say. I stand out in addition to the fact that I have one arm and I think that students are used to seeing like really buttoned up professors. And I think that's why like so much magic happens in my classroom because like, I'm just always myself. And I think that encourages my students to just really explore and like, you know, try all the writing they want to try. Yeah. Let's kind of go, like, I love the discussion of you being yourself. Did it take you like a long time to get to a place where you were yourself with all this? Like, let's talk about that journey a little bit because so many people with disabilities have to go through this like, Mm -hmm. kind of like 
weird disability puberty where they have to like <laughs> come into their own understanding of what it means to be disabled and that can take some time so did you were you always the hella confident or were you like did it take some time to, be, to get there you know what it's weird because like I want to say I wasn't because I think it would make for more of like an arc of the story but like for as long as I can remember I don't know if it's because I'm a Leo or like a raging narcissist but like I've always probably I both. just me too. <laughs> I love you. I think that like standing out, and I don't know if you feel this way too, like I was always different and people were always looking at me. And like I think for some people it might make them more self-conscious. But for me, even as a child, it was kind of like I'd rather embrace this and make it something positive and then like, you know, like really amp up my style or my personality or like find a talent because people are gonna be staring at me. I might as well keep them staring. And then like but kind of like your puberty puberty thing that you mentioned when I got to college I had I had a lot of friends in high school I mean I was a fucking loser but like I had friends people knew who I was <laughs> <laughs> so many possible weird titles for this episode I don't know what oh God, I yet, but so many um, but when I got to college I think that so many people didn't know me and I wasn't like you know like the staple of the high school like the loud big boob one-handed girl and a lot of people were asking like I would have like frat guys come up and like grab my arm at a party and it wasn't malicious. It was out of curiosity, but it was so outside of my comfort zone to, to um, kind of like navigate like a new landscape and wanting to be seen as sexy. And I think that kind of seemed like a barrier of being seen as sexy for me for a while, but it was yeah. older than you would expect it to happen. I was probably like 18 to 20. Um, and it was brief, but I did that. My, my confidence was down at that time. And I think, I don't, I guess it, you know, just like has to happen to everyone. No one's perfect. Everyone feels like shit sometimes. And I can't even think of a specific moment where I grew out of it, but I definitely did. Awesome. Um, yeah, you seem, you just seem really, like, even just, even just watching you on the, on the screen, I'm like, this person is like, got their shit together. They're like, <laughs> they don't give a fuck what I think. And they're going to like, which I think is great. I had a, I did want to go back to, so you're in the classroom and you, you teach creative writing. And I think it's funny because when we think about writing, like we think we picture a dude at a desk with two of his <laughs> arms. Right? So like when you come in with your bionic arm, does that do people ask you like how do you write? How do you do creative writing if you can't? Yeah, like even when I got this prosthetic, like all of the doctors were like, "No, you can type." I'm like, "What the fuck do you think I've been doing for 23 years?" Like I type so fast with one hand, like beyond, and I don't. I don't use my prosthetic to type and I never thought it would help me. It's like, like this is going to sound so nerdy, but like writing is like in the rhythm of my body. And like, I don't want like this man-made thing to like, even though it's a part of me, like I don't feel like it would help me. Wow. That was, you just went to some like deep places there. I didn't even know that was going to come out of me. That was amazing. You just went, you just, and again, so many titles are coming out of your mouth right now. Again, I don't even know where to start. Like, I'm going to have to go through the editing and be like, which one do I want? There's five here that I, that I love. Oh, no. Um, but no, I think like, and I, like how, like I, I type with two fingers because I can't, my hands are like, kind of like, I'll show you my hands are a little bit fused in a weird like disability way. So I type kind of like the grandmother's type with the, how do, like, when like, how do I use a computer? That's kind of how I do it. So, so like when you, when you, so yeah, having to explain to the doctors like, I don't, like, I'm fine. I've been doing this forever. Like, this isn't a big thing for me. Obviously, it's a big thing, but it's also like just a part of my day. How do you feel about 
like when you talk to doctors about your prosthetic, how what kind of conversations do you have about your like stuff? I mean, I love. I've had. I've worked with like a few different prosthetists, and it's like it's hard to like. I just feel like they're all really good people, obviously, but it's hard to find someone that you connect to because a lot of them aren't disabled. Yeah. And I think don't realize not the urgency because I can live without it, but like how much I care about having a prosthetic. And when it breaks, they're like, "Oh, we'll send it in," and you know, two to three business days. And I'm like, "Honey, I have a photo shoot. Like, I have things to do. Like, and I don't think they realize like." not how much we rely on them for, um, I guess, like physically doing things, even though disabled people definitely do, but also like the emotional kind of like attachment. Oh yeah. It's like when someone says to me, okay, we're going to just take away your wheelchair for a few days and then you're going to have to like use this chair or like stand up for 20, like when they take my chair away to be serviced or whatever, they'll be like, okay, we're going to take it away for 24 hours. And if I, like I have two chairs, so if I, if I didn't have a second yeah. chair, what would I do? It's like you do you're taking away my legs from me and then telling me to just be there and just chill. Like. Yeah. Um. Yeah. They the 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 medical community, even if they're doing good work, they need to realize that like these things are, mm-hmm. especially with your prosthetic. Like, how are you supposed to be the bionic, like bitch. sexy the bionic <laughs> bitch if you if you don't have your bionic thing? Yeah. That being said, though, like I am so tremendously grateful to the doctors that I have, and like I'm lucky enough to to have good insurance, even though I just turned 26 two days ago, and I'm gonna have to figure that out. But like, I think that like seeing, I used to um, be an ambassador for the for this nonprofit called the Leg to Stand On, and they raise money for amputees like in developing countries that don't have access to the same things we do here. And like, I think that put so much in perspective for me and I'm like oh my god I'm being such a brat that like the wrong like you know like cover for my prosthetic came but I am so fortunate to have like access to this kind I mean not everyone in this country does and that's a problem in itself but like oh, yeah. I do I, I feel really really grateful to like have access and I know that not everyone does no I mean I live in Canada so access is a little, it's a little bit different here and like but I can like to have good access for the good bunch of people who like do 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 you explain to your prosthetist that that you like, hey, I'm gonna be in a slutty photo shoot, so I need my arm to look like this, or I need to do like this. <laughs> He's used to me by now because at first he, I don't I don't know if he understood what I did, and then he followed me on Instagram, and he was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I tag him and everything. I'm like, thanks, honey. <laughs> your Instagram is like whoa, <laughs> to, like even me, I was like, this is like, but it's so important too because like. Well, you're um, out here in your harness too, my friend. <laughs> I mean, hey, look, my, my, if you go on my Twitter, I'm sure you can see my dick on the internet somewhere. Because, yeah. because um, I, I just think that these images of us doing these things and being slutty and being overtly sexual in a way that gives us agency is important, especially in terms of like, just in terms of, I'm going to use the word profound. In terms of like profound disabilities, where you can definitely see the person is disabled. It's important to be like, yes, this person with a prosthetic arm fucks, or this person with a prosthetic arm is slutty, or this person in a wheelchair likes to be choked, or like you know, <laughs> absolutely things I just did an hour ago. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, these things are so important. And so the way and, and your stuff, like the way you put it out in the world, is so it's so like I don't give a fuck about you. Here's who I am. Yeah. That's more, we need more of that in the disability sexuality space because I think we have a lot of that in like 
disability access spaces. Like, yes. fuck you, give me access. But when it comes to, like, fuck you, fuck me stuff, yes. we don't have that. And so that's kind of the the gap that yeah. you're bridging and I'm trying to bridge. Uh-huh. And Can that be the title? Fuck you, fuck me. I mean, <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Yes. yes. Um, I wanted to ask you about disclosure because it's something you put mm-hmm. on your form. And so when we talk about disclosure, we usually tend to focus on, like, every – single article that I looked up about disclosure last night when I was doing some like preliminary research on how that is talked about every single one was like oh no you're a wheelchair user and you had an accident how do you tell somebody you're you are a wheelchair user online like that was like almost every article that I read Mm -hmm. and it's like I've talked about that a little bit in my own experience um I've also spoken to gay male amputees about like about um disclosure and like what that means for them mm-hmm. how how is how like explain to me disclosure in like the lesbian community for you well, or your experience the first uh tinder date i went i don't know i don't know how old i was i don't even remember when tinder was like invented i was probably like 18 and i was i am just like not i mean i'm sure you feel the same way like i'm not always thinking about my disability um i mean sometimes i am but like I went on this date with this girl. She was like this like hot Brooklyn hipster and I like Ubered from Long Island. No, I think my mom drove me. Yeah, which is even more embarrassing. But like I, I sat across from her and I was like, oh my God, like I'm an amputee and I never said anything. And I, I, I had told her that I was no raising money for like to say that like I mentioned to you. And I was like, and if you haven't noticed, I'm an amputee. And she was like, yeah, I did notice. And like we completely moved on. And that was a while ago when I wasn't as experienced like in like the online dating space as I am now. And it just like kind of like blew my mind that it's, it wasn't something that I considered. And I was like, that was fine. But like, what if she was like, no, I don't like that or something. I mean, she'd be an asshole, but like, that's, that's also her own right. So, so now that I am thinking about it, like I always have my bionic arm visible in my dating app pics. And like, I love, I think my arm is beautiful. Like I want it to be on display. It is really beautiful. I really, thank you. Really awesome. Like, (laughs) thank you. Her name is Tatiana. (laughs) And like my bio says bionic bitch. Like I don't want it to be a surprise to anyone on a first date. Like that's not fun for me. That's not fun for like the dater. I'm not saying that disclosure is necessary. It's different for everyone. Yeah. But like for me, like I like I'm a person that puts everything out there in every aspect of my life, not just in my disability. Like I feel like you can look at me and like kind of like not know who I am, but like know that I give you like everything at face value. So like and also with the lesbian I'm kind of rambling now, but like with the lesbian community, I think that like it's a little different because not that you know women are always more accepting but like i would say probably like generally more accepting yeah and like when i think about like my straight friends with disabilities i think the topic of disclosure is like a way bigger deal because um like men will be like why didn't you tell me like as if it's like kind of like this um like deliberate secret or like deception or something yeah yeah that's that's the word i was looking for deception um but it's like I I am very lucky that I haven't had any like bad dating experiences and I think partially it's because I date women and it's partially because I'm very lucky but like yeah I think like disclosure in the lesbian community I haven't given much thought to it but also I've never dated another disabled woman before so I guess maybe I'm just like not having these conversations enough. Oh wow I, I would have thought you being the bionic bitch you would have been like 
all about the disabled women, but also like maybe disabled women find it hard to to be in the dating scene, and that I know they do because I've talked to a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they find it hard to be in the dating scene because of all the toxic like ableism that they experience. Yeah, it's not that I would. I mean, like I'm totally down. I just, no, like, it's I'm, just like yeah. it's, it's finding another disabled person that is in. You Sorry to interrupt you, but like I will match with a lot of, not a lot, but I've matched with a handful of amputees on Tinder and we are just so fucking excited to like talk to each other that it almost desexualizes it, excuse me, like desexualizes it. Oh yeah, because um, because we're like, oh my god, another disabled girl that's gay. Like, oh my god, and it becomes more like friendship. Yeah, you want to build, of course, because we don't, we so often don't have the opportunity to build those connections organically without like the help of digital mm-hmm. stuff so like absolutely when yeah i've done that a few times with, with other gay disabled men that, I, that we're like on scruff or grinder looking for dick and then we'll find each other and be like oh cool like let's talk about how being in a wheelchair is really shitty some days let's, yeah. let's have that discussion um, but i think it's beautiful to have that because no one else understands it the way we do so like I don't it's not that I think that like the connections become less sexual it's just because it's more it's more like I guess like sacred to talk about yeah it's, a, it's something that like that like when you're talking to an able-bodied person that you're about to fuck you have to you have to compartmentalize your disability in ways that is digestible for them when you're talking mm-hmm. to another disabled person about disability you can lay it all out on the table and Put yeah. every weird piece about yourself out there, and doesn't matter because they've gone through similar stuff. So they they'll have a story in five minutes that's like exactly the same. Exactly. Yeah. And I have a lot of disabled friends. Maybe I should sleep with one of them. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we're great lovers. Just <laughs> we're. I mean, I have only and I've only been with one other disabled person. Like this was years ago. He told me that I was too disabled for him and we never saw each other again. Yeah, yeah told me. We had sex. We fucked around. I was I was so excited because he was a wheelchair user. He was like an ambulatory wheelchair user, which wasn't a term at the time, but he could like get up and walk around a little bit. So he, <laughs> helped, he helped me get in bed. We fucked around. We fucked around. I must have been like 25, 26, and I was so excited to meet this other wheelchair user that I said that I phoned him 30 minutes after we boned and I said like, um, do you want to go to a movie? Let's go for coffee. Like, let's be friends. And he was like, yeah, you're too much work for me. And I was like, uh. <laughs> that, I mean, that's like just a shock. Like, I mean, you hear those stories all the time, but to come from another disabled person, it's like way more shocking. Yeah, no. So that just goes to show you that like ableism is a real thing that like doesn't discriminate against anyone. And you're so right. Everyone yeah. can be an ableist douchebag at one point or another. <laughs> you can be an ableist too. Yeah. <laughs> Ableist, we're just like you. Ableist, yeah, exactly. Um, um, so are there any major are there any major differences when you talk about your when you like get comfortable with another lesbian and you start talking about your like amputeeism? Is that what it's called? Amputeeism. I don't know, but I like it. Okay, yeah. So when you start talking about your amputeeism, do you notice a difference when you like speak with your straight friends? That's a really good question. Um, I, I've never really thought about this. I, I actually don't. I think I'm just like surrounded by like really good people that are like educated and like even if they're not, they're not assholes. Yeah. 
So, like, I used to have mostly straight friends and then just would date queer women, but now that I work in queer media, like, all my best friends are queer, and, like, it's exciting to, like, talk to queer women, like, as friends, like, kind of, like, meeting another disabled person as friends, but I feel, um, I feel like I'm, like, floundering because I don't really... I think I'm more comfortable with queer women to get to the down and dirty, I guess, like aspects of disability. Like, am I going to take my prosthetic off when I fuck this girl? Um, you know, like I really want to explore bondage, but like, I'm not sure with or without my arm, like things like that. I'm definitely more comfortable discussing with queer women. Yep. Yeah. And like all my friends are like pervs, so they're like into it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, being a friend, being friends with a perv is the greatest thing. It's, yeah. it's so fun because you can just be like, I have IBS, and so I talk to my pervy friends about how my bowel movements were for the day, and they're like, gross, <laughs> thank you for sharing that with me. That's true friendship. <laughs> I mean, it really is. It's true friendship right there for sure. Um, so tell me, you talk a lot, we've talked a lot of you in, in the last 25 minutes about like how you love your prosthetic arm and how Tatiana is great, and, which is amazing, and I'm so here for that. Um, what about Tatiana makes you feel sexy? Hmm. It's just like, I feel like she's like my prized possession except for my Chanel necklace. And like, you know that like outfit that you put on like when you're feeling like shit like instantly makes you feel sexy no matter what. Yeah, my heart. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like okay, so first up for you that's a harness. For some people it's like a tight black dress, leather pants or whatever. Like for me it's my bionic arm and it's like so exciting for me to have the option to wear my sexiest outfit like every day. Amazing. And like, I she, this one's new. I literally, she just got... Uh, kind of like all set up yesterday and I just ordered like I'm starting to have more fun and like decorating her look I just ordered her from sh some Chanel decals so I'm excited about that but what about her makes me feel sexy is that I think it's just the confidence that I have from wearing this arm because I'm so into fashion and like I think a lot of people that are not disabled kind of are like oh she's more confident because it takes away the fact that she has one arm and like that's I'd be honest with myself if that was it you know I'm like I'm a really like self-deprecating honest person oh, but I it's not that. I'm getting that very I'm loud and clear yeah but I figured it out <laughs> you might not know this about me but I'm honest so like I don't it's not it's not about putting an arm where it's not it's literally about like having a sexy accessory it's about the way it looks and the way it kind of like tops off my outfits and that's what makes me feel so sexy and I think that's what gives me confidence. A lot of people that know me will say like, I got even more confident once I started wearing this and started kind of experimenting with my style more, going out more. And I just think it's like, it's it's reductive to say it's like a bag or a pair of shoes because it's more important to me than that. Yeah, but it's, it's, not. it's like saying my wheelchair is just a piece of luggage. It isn't. Yeah. But it's, but it's, but um, it's in that same kind of vein in that it excites me in the same way visually. So, like, it means so much more to me than that because it helps me do things and, like, blah, 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 blah. But, like, I'm so into style and fashion. And I think the reason that this makes me feel so sexy is because I kind of see it like a, an, an accessory like that. I like that. How does – I'm curious because fashion and disability, there's so many problems. Um, how does your <laughs> arm – how does it, like – how does your – how does Tatiana go into your fashion choice? Like, how – like, do you find getting putting on shirts tough? Do you find like, like tops tough? So I, I don't like. I also like lived my whole life without her until I was twenty three. So I had been getting dressed, you know, without it, and I find it actually a lot more difficult to get dressed wearing her. 
like if I'm having sex and, and someone tries to undress me while I'm wearing her, like, like I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, like an octopus, like I have this extra like limb flailing around. I would love to see like a YouTube series of <laughs> you trying to have sex with girls with your limb and just like the scene that just popped in my head was you was a girl trying to like sexually take off your shirt and be like, oh no, your arm, it's stuck. Like there's comedy in that. Then somebody needs to film. And then sometimes like my arm farts, like the air, like the, if the suction kind of comes unsucked, it farts. So like when I take it off, it farts. And I'm like, great. Like I'm so turned on. And now you hear my arm like. <laughs> you know what's funny? 25 minutes ago when I was eating out one of the sex workers, we were doing it, and we're, we're like, it's weird when guys fuck, because we get out really quiet. When you're really into, like, the people you're fucking, you get really quiet, so we're quiet, and I'm eating this guy out, and it's fine. And I go to breathe, and I go to, like, move my my mouth, and I made a fart sound into him. <laughs> and I, everybody kept going, it was fine, but I was like, I want to die laughing right now, but I can't, because I have to be mask for mask, and like a dude bro. Oh my god, I love it. But all I wanted to be was like, did no one, <laughs> did no one experience that I just farted into your asshole? <laughs> the, actually, the only thing worse than like farting during sex is making a farting noise. And it's like, you know what, I might as well like at least fart, like, and make the noise. I'd be like, well, that actually wasn't a fart. It was my mouth or it was my arm or something yeah. like. <laughs> um, so one of the, how does, how does Tatiana play a role in, in like, you said she makes you feel sexy, which is totally great. How does she make you feel sensual at all? I, 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 I'm, that's a really, really good question. I think, in terms of sensuality, like I like to take her off because it's a, it does get um, clunky and like it makes me feel sexy. But when I'm actually like really like in the throes of passion with another person, to have like this like twenty pound metal object like clanking around doesn't feel good. Um, and like. And then I have to take it off, and it's like I, I think I had to work at feeling okay doing that in front and, of somebody. Yeah, and like now I'm totally fine with it. Like even if it's a one night stand, I just like work it off and like you know put her down somewhere. Um, because to to like I don't I don't feel touch on this, and I I would love to try to incorporate my bionic arm into sex, but like right now it just feels like too much work, and like sex is so much fun, and like. I, you know, feel so confident and so in my body, like, even though I feel hotter with it on, I wouldn't want to compromise, like, the pleasure just to, like, have my arm, you know? So, my next question was, like, how does the act of sex change the prosthetic arm? So, I guess because you don't have her on when you're fucking around, it doesn't really... Like, I, I have, I'll leave her on for some, like, foreplay, and then, like, if I'm having, like, a bondage or, like, a handcuff moment, like, I like to leave her on. But, um... Yeah, like, it hasn't really changed that much. I think it's changed because I probably have a lot more sex now because I just, like, feel hotter. But, like, actual sex itself, like, I really do like to take it off. And I think that, like, I'd be compromising my, my like, comfort to leave her on. It'd be more like a performance to leave her on rather than, like, for my own pleasure. Yeah, because you're trying to make... Is it because you're trying to make your partner feel comfortable that you don't look, quote-unquote like an amputee i'm not sure because i feel like i look like an amputee regardless because it doesn't my arm doesn't look human and it's so different but i think it's like um you know if like i haven't had sex with this partner before they're used to this apparatus on me and like this you know a, a stump 
feels different. It's soft. Yeah. It has like a weird little hand at the end of it. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I haven't had moments where like a partner has had said anything, but like it does cross my mind sometimes like, oh, they've never seen my stump or my nub or whatever you want to call it. Like, are they looking at it? Like, what are they thinking? But then mostly I'm just like so horny and like, I don't care and I don't think about it. <laughs> do you call it, do you call it your stump, your nub? What is, what's you know what? I usually say little arm. I know that's so childish, but I just grew up saying that. From, from, and I want to get to like where that came from. Cause I, I read the article where you, I think you heard that from the girl at your camp, right? She, I said little arm and then she said nub. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's so cool and so hot. And she says nub, like I'll totally say nub too. Cause I used to think nub was such a gross word. Like No, but I feel like little arm is cute though. It's cute in this like weird. Yeah. I mean, it is like a little arm. Yeah. Because yeah. my mom would always be like, that's your little arm when I was growing up. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it kind of just stuck. Amazing. Uh, what was I going to ask you? So my my question was, what kind of foreplay can you have with a prosthetic arm? Like, how does that work? So like I, like I said, I really don't incorporate it. Like, it's basically just like kissing, touching, whatever, while I'm wearing it. Yeah. And like, I would love to maybe like, have like a flogging moment wearing her or something, but I still. What if don't... you flogged somebody with her? I know that's what I'm saying, honey. Right? I mean, what if she was the instrument of? Fl- that I know was... that would be like so hot. <laughs> wow, my brain just went into a thousand places about all the kind of porn you could do. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, so like I think that's probably like the next thing that's like on my list. Like, there's a scene in there somewhere. Somebody, like somebody pay Dana for this please <laughs> I need to see it for my own oh my goodness there's a dominatrix in there's a pro dom that I know in Toronto Lady Pim who I just did an episode with the other day who I'm gonna tweet her like right after we have this conversation and be like oh my god this just happened I need to connect the two of you and you need to figure oh, out how to do this scene together so my next question was, is scissoring different or possible? So like, I am no expert in scissoring. I'm not going to pretend like I know what I'm talking about because <laughs> queer men don't do that. So that's not something I'm versed in, but I know that that's a queer, like lesbian thing that people talk mm-hmm. about a lot. Is that something, first of all, is that something you do sexually and, or, and, or is it something your prosthetic or your little arm can be a part of? So, first of all, fuck yes. I love to scissor. I hate when people think it's like a porn myth or something. I think it doesn't work all the time, but when it does, it's like so hot. Um, but like, as far as I'm concerned, all I need is my pussy and my legs to sit there. Like, I've never really like thought about my arm. And I think like, it ta- it's like a balancing act as it is, right? And you're like contorting yourself and all this stuff. But like, it- it's not necessarily different for me because like I said, I was born this way. So I've never known anything else. And I've always explored sex in like different positions just like with my body as it is. So like, it's not in the forefront of my mind all the time. Like scissoring is like, it's like a Cirque du Soleil act for a lot of reasons, but not because I'm missing an arm. You know, sometimes the balance is like a little off if I'm on top. Um, But like, I usually wear like these huge platforms. It's like my new thing. So I can like lean back and like grab the platform of my shoe. That helps. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. So what you're saying is all those shoes that hot, women like to wear in sex are really just so they can keep their balance and be okay. Correct. <laughs> um, uh, so 
you wrote this really great article about getting slutty at AM camp, <laughs> which I, I read it last night and I was like, this is, I need, I, and I, like, I didn't pick out any particular parts because I wanted you to tell the story, but just, just like, I, just tell the story of you at AM camp and like what, what it was like getting slutty and what it was like kind of coming, <laughs> coming to terms with your amputeeism in a really cool, yeah. like summer environment. Well, like, I mean, overall, it was probably just, like, the most liberating and, like, significant coming-of-age moment of my life. And, like, that was my first essay that I ever published, and it went viral, which was, like, really exciting. But, like, my so I was, like, 16, and my mom was, like, I want you to go to this camp. You need to, you know, meet these. My mom, you know, my moms always know what's best for you. And she's, like, you should meet, like, other disabled people. And I guess I had, like, some of that good old internalized ableism and I was like I don't need to do that like right that's that's the best when you're like 13 you're like fuck other disabled I'm (laughs) fine leave me alone I'm not like them and it's like yeah and I I kind of just like to be completely honest with you Andrew like I had this vision of like a pathetic group of people at this camp and like I feel terrible saying that but in my teenage brain that was I guess riddled with ableism like I was just like I'm cooler than that like I don't need my mom was like nope you're going she's like fine if you think you're so fucking cool go show them how cool you are and I'm like okay mom like I'll go (laughs) good for your mother I like her already (laughs) I know she's such a bad bitch so I went it was like this it's um called the Patty Rossback camp for uh, a different shit for uh, limb different children and it's in Ohio and it's like for a week, it's completely free, which is incredible. Like they raise money so kids across the country with limb difference can come. Wow, that's so awesome. It's so beautiful. And it was just, God, it was, I mean, I, I went for years. Like I literally burst into tears when I talk about it because it was just like so amazing. Oh, I, but, went, I went to camp too and I did an episode on it. So I know, like, I know the like, the like, the like deep bonds that you make in those places, they never die. Yeah, there's not. There's literally nothing like that. There's literally nothing like the fucking bonds of kids at camp. Of disabled kids at camp realizing that you're disabled and you can actually be friends. Like, yeah, there. it's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. And, and and like I that essay kind of was about how disabled people can still be assholes. So like I went and there was like the bottom bunks and the top bunks and like all the hot girls were on the bottom bunks and they were like doing each other's nails and like whatever and then like all like the losers like playing like Game Boys and like picking their noses were like on the top bunk. And I tried to sit on a bottom bunk. Like this really hot girl, I'll never forget her. She wore two prosthetic legs and like had these like fabulous box braids. And she was like, that bed's taken. And I was like, all right, I guess I have to go with like the ugly people. So I climbed to the top. So I, like I said, it's about disabled people being assholes. And eventually I saw one of the cool girls downstairs put her hair in a ponytail. She had less of an arm than me. Like she was completely missing her left arm all the way up to her shoulder. And like my mom did my hair. I mean, I was 16 years old. My mom still did my hair before school, partially because we're codependent and Italian, but partially because I really couldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I just, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to talk to the cool girl. And I was like, can you please show me how you just did that to your hair? And she was like, of course, like, go put a ring on. And, like, another girl, like, I also remember her. She was so amazing. And she had no arm. She only had, like, a finger on each side. And she had a ring on. And she kind of, like, wiggled her finger at me and gave me her ring. And she taught me how to put my hair up. And I was like, play it cool, play it cool. Like, the hot girl's talking to you. And I just started hysterically, like, snot everywhere sobbing. Because it was the first time <laughs> I did it myself. <laughs> And to have another, like, I didn't intellectualize it, but now I can as an adult. Like, to have another disabled woman teach me how to do something, and it wasn't, like, in a passionizing way, 
it's so important to have those yeah. moments. Like I, I just hearing that story. Like I remember when I was when I went to those camps because I went to those camps for years and years, and I definitely was like the kids who were nonverbal, the kids who drooled a little bit for a couple of years. I was like, I am definitely better than you. And I'm gonna be over here. And now I look back at that and I'm like, Andrew, you were such a fucking prick. Those exactly. kids, they were so they were having fun enjoying themselves. How what a fucking asshole. Exactly. <laughs> like so, now, like now I would hang out with the loser kids with disabilities and be like, Well yeah, let's all be friends. It doesn't matter. Yeah, let's all be sweaty together, totally. And then I, I just you know, getting sweaty at the camp, like once I kind of entered that cool group of girls. I was, I was sexually experienced, like I've always just been like a very sexual person, but like I didn't really have friends to talk about it with at that age, yeah. you know, cause like, like, you know, gay is okay, that, that's already hard, one-handed, that's already hard, so to be around those girls and like, you know, a lot of it was also kind of like wishful thinking because we were still young and like we were definitely having sex, but probably not good sex. But, like, to be able to talk, we would just stay up all night. It was just, like, so – we were – it was, like, something we all just needed because – also, I'm, I'm kind of fucking up the timeline, but when we first got to camp, like, they put everyone in a room, and they're all, like, you're beautiful on the inside. And it's, like, very nice, and it's run by disabled people, and it's not – it's not like ableist bullshit, but like we were teenagers. We don't want to be told we're beautiful on the inside. Yeah, we want like, to be told that we're moody and gothy and go fuck yourself. And the, yeah, or that we're hot and we're pretty and like we can get our belly buttons pierced and like go make out behind the bleachers and like smoke cigarettes. Like I don't want that beautiful on the inside shit. So like at night, like it was really, really sacred to you know just sit on the bottom bunk with all these disabled girls. I didn't wear a prosthetic at the time, but if they did, you know, we take them all off so there'd be like a pile of limbs. And we would just all, you know, be like, have you ever sucked a dick? Like, have you, have you ever done this? And like, and that's like something all teenagers do, but like, it was so much more important for us to do that because we had been getting this message. Like, we're beautiful on the inside, we're inspiring, blah, blah, blah. And we're just like, we're just kids. Like, we're just teenagers that are exploring sex just like everyone else. That's like, like totally exactly. And like, I just think it's so important to have like a space where coming up when you're young to to be able to explore like slutty slutty things and like I love how you're sitting in a in a circle being like with all your limbs off and in, in like a corner <laughs> being like have you sucked a dick like the the picture that I'm picturing is like a bonfire of like limbs <laughs> around you as you're sharing these stories like it's it's just so it's so important. And, like, when I was at camp, though, I never had sex. I was always the kid that was, like, I was always the kid that was, like, I am super sexual, but I can't, I'll never have sex because I had more complex needs than the rest of, like, than, like, mm-hmm. say you did. So, like, I would want to fuck everything, but I couldn't because <laughs> I needed the camp counselors to help me do stuff. So, like, yeah, I well, had the moments of where I fell in love with everybody, but I never got the chance to, like, take that further. What was it like for you? Yeah to kind of do that at, at camp? Um, I mean, like, we would also, we would play, like, Never Have I Ever, and I would, like, always lose first because of the whole one-handed thing. Most of them were, like, <laughs> like MBTs. But, like, to have that at camp it was so different than to have it with, like, friends in high school, even though I always had close friends, like, mm-hmm. just like that kind of, you know, mutual, and we've yeah, talked about this. Like I lost you. No worries. Can you hear me? Or No. It fell out of my ear hole. Oh, in my back? I can't hear you now. Oh, no. 
It's still no? Still nothing? Nope. So weird. Hold on, did I like touch something? It could be my, here. Let me restart it. Sorry. No. Can you hear me? No. I'm going to hang up. I'll call you back. Okay. So, Dana, you're, this conversation is amazing, and we had to hit re-record because I lost the audio, and here we are again. <laughs> so, with, this interview has been one of my favorites because you're so outspoken, and you, I just, you and you, like, sit and talk to somebody, and you're like, oh, I get this person. I know exactly what they are. And yeah. And, like... And I want to get to, like, we just finished saying off the air that, like, we need to become best friends because, like, we get each other. So, you know, I feel like I know you. Like, I really just, like, want to have, like, a martini and, like, shoot the shit. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about some of the dicks we sucked and, or, or some of the dicks you didn't suck that I did. I don't know. Um, I have in my lifetime. So I can cont- contribute to that conversation. All right, good. Yes, good. Um, I did want to ask you, though, like, is – my big my big shift with the show is asking guests to tell me something about disability or their experience with disability or being an amputee. Anything you want to shine a light on that people don't talk about enough about your disabled experience, that kind of stuff. Uh, so I just think that like what we're doing right now, like this conversation that's not formal and it's just like so honest is so important because I think we don't talk about as a culture I don't think we talk about disability enough in like a nuanced way and like a fun way and it's the stories don't always have to be about the ways in which we struggle and like I know that you and I know in different ways how fucking hard and you know difficult being disabled can be sometimes but it's not always like that it's not always like an inspirational story or a struggle sometimes we're just lit sometimes we're just slutty like Sometimes we're asking for a half price at the nail salon, you know. Um, <laughs> and I think that, like, what we're doing right now is so important, and that's, like, kind of the light that I would want to shine and why I'm so excited to talk to you. Yeah. Because, I, like, go ahead. Yeah, no, I know. I just so much agree with you because, like, those conversations between disabled people, especially two disabled people talking about sex, when I talk about sex, usually – when it's not on this podcast and it's for like another work thing, I'm usually talking to a room full of able-bodied people who have a million disability 101 questions to sit with another mm-hmm. disabled slut in the room. And I say that with love and pride and power um, to sit with another disabled slut digitally and talk about how we want to be slutty and how you like to scissor and how I like to suck dick and how I just eat somebody out for like 25 minutes before we hit record. <laughs> like there's something really powerful about that where if I was, Explaining that to an able-bodied person, I would be coloring it in a way that made it, like I said earlier, make it to make it digestible for them. And with, right. with even with this conversation, we don't have to do that. So, so I guess the takeaway of this conversation is be more like, be more slutty and be like, bolder and don't give a fuck. Fuck yes. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I there are so many things that I could talk to you about, but I love kind of how this conversation kind of happened organically and I don't want to yeah. I don't want to overextend the listeners. So, but I want everybody to follow you because you're amazing and they all should. Thank uh, you. Um how do how do people get a hold of you? 
You can read my writing and see my video work on danatroisi.com. That's D-A-Y-N-A-T as in Tom, R-O-I-S-I. And then my Instagram handle is just at danatroisi, same spelling. Amazing. I will make sure all of that's in the show notes. This was such... Thank you for also... Thank you. No, it was so great. And also to make sure that you that you... Like, you hounded me a bunch of times, which I really appreciate because I get to do Sorry, I was, like, stalking so, you. <laughs> no, I love that you were like, want to do it? I'm down. Want to So, like, I appreciate that because I forget sometimes and I don't write shit down. So, like, I, I appreciate that you were like, I'm still here. Don't forget. So, like, I, I, I was just so excited to talk to you. <laughs> this was such a fun conversation. You are the bionic bitch, and I, now I know why, and I'm, I'm just so excited to continue the conversation over text and off the air. Me too. It's really been such a pleasure, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime. I'll have you back again for sure. Okay, I'll talk to you soon, babe. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, friends. That's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. My name is, of course, Andrew Gerza, and thank you so much for listening and helping the show go. I really appreciate that you all listen and that you come back every week and I love doing it and I love shining a bright light on these topics so thank you if you want to follow my work you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com where you'll find my writings some cool videos I've been in and you'll see where I've been talking where I've been doing talks and if you want to hire me to talk you can do so there as well if you want to follow me on the social media you can Put in all my handles on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook at the Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow the podcast specifically, you can follow us on Twitter at DisAftDarkPod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash DisabilityAfterDark. This show is a completely independent production. I literally record the show here in my bedroom in Toronto, and that's awesome. So if you want to support this fully independent program, you can head over to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and you can pledge $1 a month to get the show early and get really cool perks like that. And I, I will give you a shout out on the air and thank you for your support. It would be super awesome if you could also leave a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast so that this show, all about sexuality and disability, something we don't talk about enough, can get more traction and more people can hear about the show. Lastly, if you want to be a part of Disability After Dark, you can submit your suggestions, story ideas, or your minisodes to our email inbox, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, we'll be back next time, right here on the program Shining a Bright Light on Sex and Disability, Disability After Dark. New episodes of Disability After Dark will be available every Thursday on your favorite podcast app. Also available to Patreon subscribers one day early on every Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations with music by Chris Sujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2019.